Welcome to uh, this edition of The Higher Estate. We have an amazing guest here today. Uh, and, uh, I mean, we're going to actually learn today. Uh, different than, than my, my usual. I'm going to learn, too. I'm really excited because you got to continuously learn. I went to McMaster, and it's all about lifelong learning. And the individual who's here today has a lot of knowledge to spread, share. Do you spread knowledge or do you share knowledge? I don't know, but we do something. Take your what pick. do we do? Take your pick. Yeah. 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 I, I, they could be the same. I, I'm ho- sh- you see, I'm already nervous because he's a professor. It's, it reminds me of having to go back and sit in class, um, which I did sit in the front row Absolutely. Of, yeah. univ- of all of my classes because it was the only way I could concentrate uh, for, for, for how many years? 12 years, 13 years. Listen, anyway, whatever it was, I sat in the front row when I went to school. All right, so we've got an excellent show that's, uh, that we're going to be putting on today, and we're really excited to have him here. I'm going to introduce him in just a little bit. First, we're going to start off with a little bit of our uh, current events. We're going to like split up some segments because you know we're really professional on our show. Um, and I have, but I have a goal today. This is for you, Mom. I'm going to try my freaking hardest not to swear because you asked me not to swear and you told me that I swear too much. I will swear a little bit just because it's almost like a compulsive thing. I just got to get it out, but uh, I'll do my, my best not to swear. Okay, so some current events. First thing, um, Ontario is seeking advice on, on vapor lounges. And, uh, and locations of using cannabis or using your medicine. Uh, you know that uh, here at the higher state, we talk about all things cannabis, whether it's uh, uh, medical or uh, what we call lifestyle. And our goal here is to bridge the gap between the two um, in, in, a, in a concept that I'm calling and that's now becoming called, being called? I don't know. Anyway, gaining traction, momentum called, um, what, what is it called? Mindful consumption. And, uh, oh, hello. Oh, am I too close to it? I thought I'd give some bass, you know, <laughs> if I get close. Doesn't that sound better? No. Okay. Anyway, uh, called Mindful Consumption. And uh, so, you know, we're going to bridge those gaps. We're going to continue to do that. And so the first thing we're talking about here in current events is Ontario seeking advice from the public on, uh, and the government, whomever they may be. Uh, on where people can use cannabis. Currently in the legislation, and thanks to Abby Roach, uh, a Canna warrior over in Toronto, who uh, informed us that uh, in the Smoke-Free Act of Ontario, the, uh, they've thrown in um, vaporization, which means you can't vape outside, even though it's the safest thing for you to do. Uh, I'm not certain why it was thrown in, but clearly there's some backpedaling happening and or maybe education. And that's key. Clearly, the government is asking maybe some of the right figureheads now, some of the right researchers or clinicians on what is the safest practice and vaporization is clearly safer than smoking or incomplete combustion. And, uh, and so the question is, where can you use it? If you're currently stuck inside your house with your children or where, you know, and you have to vape in there, that's clearly not a safe alternative. Let's say you're out of town and you have to go see a doctor. You can't use it in a hotel. So 
I think we should be able to have uh, have vape lounges. I'd love to hear from from uh, from people out there. Uh, just send us emails. I'd love to hear what you have to say, and then we can talk about it next time as well. So I think that we should all be advocating for the continuation. Excuse me, of things like uh, Hotbox in Toronto, which was you know North America's first vape lounge. Thanks, Abby. Uh, okay, second thing. I think this is kind of funny. And uh, Andrew reminded me of that is the uh, two police officers who are suspended in Toronto for eating edibles. Uh, these were like uh, undercover police officers, you know, and uh, sometimes you got to dabble in your uh, reminds me of a movie where you have that undercover guy that puts the cocaine on his tongue to make sure it, like numbs his tongue at the end. Uh, is that what cocaine does? Sandra? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, okay, so, uh, um, yeah, so these guys were arrested, and, uh, not arrested, they were suspended, I think with pay, but anyways, uh, way to go, because why not? I mean, if you're going to use any form of drug, you might as well use one that's pretty less harmful, and, um, and so they, I don't know what's going to happen to them. Anyway, what they ended up doing was calling, they called for help, and one of them was found in a tree. He like he freaked out, ran into a tree. I don't know. Anyway, I think. Uh, uh, um, anyway, I thought that was pretty pretty funny. So uh, something else. Lastly, in our uh, in our current events, talk quickly about the passing of Dennis Perron. He was uh, a Canna warrior, an activist in the battle for uh, cannabis and its health effects uh, on AIDS. He was a warrior in the gay community in San Francisco uh, all the way from the 70s uh, and uh, passed away a couple days ago. And uh, of course, our thoughts, prayers and all that or whatever prayers believe in gods, this god, new gods, old gods. Reminds me of what was that Battlestar Galactica? There was the old gods and the new gods. Do you remember that? I don't know. Whichever gods you pray to or believe in, spirits. Um, you know, there's a lot of them. Uh, let's. Uh, we're going into religion. We're not even talking about religion. Um, the I don't know. <laughs> I'm totally off. I worked nights last night, people. So I am really tired. Um, anyway, our, our our thoughts go out to the family and uh, thank you for doing such a wonderful job in the cannabis space and uh, with the gay community and also with AIDS. All right, we're adding a new segment. And it's called Do As I Say. And I say that because it's do as I say, not as I do. That's sort of where it comes from. Anyway, I want to talk about probiotics today. So probiotics is, and so this is my, this what a health warning. I feel like how Al Johnson and Joanne McLeod. Hal Johnson, remember those? Yes. yes. Those TV. Body break. Right? Body break. Yep. <laughs> Did you remember? Yep. Body break. This is now, but this is our own version. And it's called Do As I Say. Okay, so probiotics. Probiotics are good for you. They could be very good for... Uh, uh, your your gut health, they could be uh, and um, important to uh, rejuvenate uh, or replenish the good bacteria. But one of the things I hear often now is, "Hey, I'm taking a probiotic," or "I'm going to a nutritional store and I'm taking a probiotic," or um, "or I have my kombucha," because that's our usual thing. I'll talk about my hair a little bit. I am getting a haircut today, people. I know last week became a little obsessive. Mom, I know you didn't like the idea of talking about the hair, but I am talking about the hair again because, I don't know, I have a thing. So anyway, back to the probiotic. So probiotics can be very beneficial to our gut health and our overall health. The problem is we have over a trillion bacteria in our gut. And... Um, and when you say the word probiotic, you say, hey man, I take a probiotic. That's like saying, hey man, I take an antibiotic. 
Well, what does that really mean? You have, how, what bacteria are you taking? Which, which, uh, which one's good for you? Which ones do you need? So I think here's the, here's the point. If you're going to take a probiotic, know which probiotic you're taking and which bacterial cultures are in that probiotic. Because what we see now often is side effects of probiotics. It's not all just harmless. You can get bacterial uh, and gut floral overgrowth. And, uh, and that's not good. That can cause a lot of digestive problems. So we have to be kind of careful. When we say the word probiotic, I take a probiotic. Yeah, what are you doing? Hey, man, I take a probiotic. So, no, I take a probiotic for X, right? It's not just a general statement. Health is important. Nutrition is important. But know what you're taking. Know what you're putting in your body. Know why you're putting it in your body. Okay, that's all I have to say about uh, probiotics. Damn, that was good. Um, okay, current events, we're done. All this stuff, we're done. We're going to go on to our guest and uh, I'm really excited to have him here today. Our guest today is uh, Professor Dr. Andrew Hathaway. Uh, he is Associate Professor in the Department of Sociology and Anthropology at University of Guelph. And he, you know what's interesting? I'm just going to say, ah, first let me finish introducing the guy. He teaches in the Department of Criminal, uh, of, uh, or teaches criminal Justice and Public Policy. And we're going to talk about these things uh, as they relate to cannabis. Most of his research is around, or not most of, I don't know, at least what he's published uh, that I see, a lot of it is around cannabis and uh, cannabis uh, law, cannabis public policy, uh, also about the sociology of cannabis. How do we interact? I talk about often about how we interact directly with the plant and what the meaning of that is. And so I think Andrew uh, or Dr. Hathaway, how do you want to be? Andy you? works for me. Okay. Oh, Andy? Sure. All right. Yeah. So yeah. A Andy, you know, is going to talk to us and make us smarter about all the things that, may, that are important for us to, be, to become activists. These are the things we need to know. And how do we form public policy? How do we interact with the plant? How does, how does the government interact with the plant that interacts with us? And how does that shape our view of... Um, of ourselves and how how does it shape the view uh, our view of drugs in general and uh, we're going to talk about those things as they relate to cannabis uh, i'm really happy to have you here today and uh I'm, and i haven't sworn yet everybody like this is good i haven't right clap we can clap and at the end, of course, we're going to take a card from Weedopoly. But we have a whole bunch of topics that I want to, I want to talk about. And, and I think it's really important and it's a great time to, uh, to have you here. First, I, like, I, I, love, I initially thought we'd talk about the history of cannabis. And we might get into the history of public policy around cannabis. How did cannabis you know, become? How did reefer madness, for example, happen? How did we start to criminalize cannabis when we know we've known for thousands of years, you know, uh, at least going back to um, prehistoric China almost. Like if we go back 12,000, between 7,000 and 12,000 years ago, we know that cannabis existed and then made its way out to the rest of the world. And uh, it was used for, for a very long time for ritualistic purposes and then also again for uh, medicinal purposes, but only in the last 150 years in, in North America has cannabis lost favor until the last 20 years, I'd say. Even more so in the last 70 years. Um, okay, I guess 100 years. I don't know. 100 years, it lost favor. And why did it lose favor? And, and some of your topics are really important. But first, I just want to introduce you, um, Andy. And uh, 
I'd love to hear about why you started to research cannabis in the first place. Like, what got you? Why did you start? What, what was your? What was the thought process? And uh, and yeah, and why write those papers? And they're great, by the way. You know, I've read some of the abstracts and uh, conclusions. That's how you know. That's what. That's that's how good I am at reading papers. Abstract, abstract, abstract. Yep. Um, I'm a poor reader. I, I wish they had them on audiobook because <laughs> then I can I could listen to the paper. That's a great idea, people. Um, okay, so Andy, welcome. Thank you. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and what got you into researching uh, researching cannabis. What got me into the game? Well, uh, like many young people today, I suppose I, uh, I I got through my undergraduate at University of Calgary, um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do next. And, you know, a master's degree seemed like the thing to do. And then, of course, the next thing is, well, what are you going to study? So it was uh, a piece of advice I got at the time was study what you know. Yeah, So right. I happened to know a few things about uh, smoking weed and uh, knew a lot of people who did so. And uh, what, what uh, really occurred to me, having uh, gotten to know the, the literature a little bit at the time, was uh, it was very much couched within this subculture of deviance framework. Uh, you know, it, uh, classic authors like Howard S. Becker writing right. from the 1950s uh, when it really was kind of a, a marginalized activity, uh, jazz musicians and, and right. blacks hanging out in the tea houses and, and that kind of thing, right? So the subculture of deviance angle certainly fit. It was certain, wasn't known to most of mainstream America at the time and certainly not uh, in Canada. And uh, that didn't fit with my understanding of, uh, it, as somebody in the, uh, in the late 80s, uh, where it was very much a mainstream phenomenon. We're going back, you know, uh, three three decades now, right. and uh, we we talk about the normalization of cannabis now to the point where we're talking about legalizing and regulating. Right. Well, these were still early days, and but but nonetheless, it was it was clear to me that uh, when you're talking about people who are otherwise conventional, um, people who are in white collar jobs, middle class, middle class, uh, you know, university educated. I mean, you know, that that phenomenon was noted back in the 60s, right? right. That uh, people from well-to-do backgrounds were starting to smoke marijuana. Which is how I think, you know, cannabis sort of gained its, or maybe, I don't know, left that deviant, even the word deviance, I mean, I kind of like the word deviant, to be honest. Sure, but sure. But left, you know, or or left that the marginalized world and came into the mainstream world was really from a growing middle class Absolutely. where you had the jazz musicians and you had the, you know, the, the marginalized community gaining traction and entering the workforce as tolerance maybe as as society became more tolerant yeah. and uh, we lost our our you know our bigotry and our racist sort of undertones that you know helped that developed in society and people started getting jobs and moving into the the into the middle class those same people were using cannabis still well, I and suspect the law, the law was never a problem until white middle-class kids started using it. You know, kids right. who, whose dads were cops and lawyers and physicians oh. and, and that kind yeah. of thing, and suddenly they're being saddled with criminal records for something which is understood to be relatively benign, right? Interesting. It, it, when the blacks were doing it, when the lower class were doing it, you know, that, that, that made sense. This was within the realm of criminality. Suddenly we've got a problem, and of course that led to the Ladane Commission right. in the early 1970s and the, uh, the proposal to decriminalize, which of course got shelved like so many of these reports tend to do. Right. 
Right. Right? Um, so, you know, I come into the picture in the late 80s, and uh, not only is this something that uh, white middle-class kids are doing, but, you know, it's it, it's not just uh, the kids who are doing it in high school, in uh, in my recollection. You know, the kids who hang out at the smoke doors wore the, the lumberjack jackets and, the you know, the, the, the headbangers, we called them at the time. Listen to heavy metal music. I mean... I don't know any of them. Well, that was part of the, the kind of the rebellious culture, right? right? right. It, it, it had that kind of symbolic uh, We always liked when the one it. teacher came outside. Right. You know, remember right. the one teacher that came out and had a cigarette? Of course, anyway. yeah. There's always that there's one, always cool, the one cool teacher. Cool yeah, teacher. Yeah, sure. Okay, sorry. Sure. So, I, I, you know, in the, in the late 80s at the University of Calgary, I noticed this was something that, uh, you know, the, 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 the athletes were doing and, uh, right. and, and the good kids. And, you know, it was a full realm of, uh, of, of the population that, uh, that really didn't fit this, this explanation that fit within this subculture of deviance. And this is a, a mark of rebellion. And, and, and you know, all of the... All of the uh, the, the cultural marks of a subculture that, that it previously had. So I thought, well, there needs to be some some kind of reconceptualization of this. Interesting, because nobody was really looking at it right. from that perspective. Right. Why not? You know, let's just take a, a big leap of faith here and actually talk to the pot smokers themselves right. about why they're using it, uh, for what, what particular motivations they have for using it, what are their experiences, what are their patterns of use. And what I found out was uh, it was very much uh, no longer simply a group-based activity. People may have learned some of the motivations and, and learned how to derive pleasure and, and learn some of the techniques within that group context, but then it, it kind of took on a character of its own. Some people found it useful for, you know, we, we're familiar with the leisure time, the right. recreational use. You think about you, the term recreation at its root is recreate, right? So you, you, you can imagine beyond just something you do to veg out by the by the TV, people are using it as a way to rediscover the outdoors and, you know, as a kind of an accompaniment to, uh, to, uh, to other... You, you were saying that, that you just sort of mentioned that it took it away from community. I find that cannabis is a community gathering event, almost the use of cannabis, but because you, you talked about, it, we, I mean, some of your research, you talked about informed rules. Right, the sort of the the cultural rules around cannabis use. I guess all drugs probably have a cultural or an informal rule that applies to it. We do this. We use it this way. We sure. we do it in this location. Yeah. And um, but so cannabis came from came from this you know very dark sort. Oh, it didn't come from. It came from a very light place and was pulled into the dark and only became a problem as you mentioned. You know, when the white middle class, you know, teenage kid was starting to use it in the '60s, which sort of led to this reefer madness thing. Not my kid, and um, but there was a community sort of there's and there still is the community involvement of cannabis is is really what I mean in my mind and to 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 those that I know is really one of those things that that makes it um, makes it appealing to people because it brings people together. The healing properties of the plant, the whole plant. Right uh, is useful, not just a part of the plant. And what we saw, well, what we saw, you know, we or at least what I thought I was seeing in history was, you know, we have parts of this plant that are being used for its specific things, you know, whether it was for ritualization or whether it was for uh, medicine or or for ceremony. Um, but individual people were using it for their individual things. Where I find now is people are using the whole plant. As a person, we are a whole person, and they're using it for its different parts altogether. So I thought it was bringing us back, but you're saying that the community is, or the 
that the the idea of of community or coming together is is decreasing like well i didn't mean to suggest that that subcultural kind of flavor of it is has disappeared entirely i mean it still has vestiges of that and certainly right. as as an ongoing criminalized activity right. by its very nature you are kind of cast aside and, and put within a particular group uh, correct me if i'm wrong but in the in the medical context i think that community aspect is is all important it's not just the provision of a, of, of a safe medicine it's right. it's the, the knowledge how to use it that sense of support. I mean, I've, I've done interviews with medical users who are suffering incredible stigma uh, as a result of their choice of, of medicine. So, uh -huh. so that kind of support uh, that, that's provided within that community context is absolutely all important. Right. I was just drawing attention to the fact that it, it, it does take on more lifestyle type right. qualities and characteristics when um, people are, are, are not necessarily do, using it within that group context right. at a party or whatever. People learn to use Use it in ways that uh, fit the, fit the, fit their lifestyle um, as, as an accompaniment to leisure, as an accompaniment to work. Uh, you know, getting into the medical realm as as a way of adjusting to difficult circumstances, whether that be uh, as an aid for sleep or appetite or all the things that you know so well as part of your practice, so, right? So, yeah. what what happened in in Canada that that took us from a point of you know back in the 1900s we were using cannabis, uh, cannabis was recommended by by healthcare practitioners, and it was it was recognized as a medicine both by you know all, pretty much all medical societies, uh, AM, the AMA, the CMA, all really recognized these things. Uh, but then we sort of started to lose favor around cannabis. What happened at that time that really took us away? From your perspective, that took us away from the medical use into this realm of well, now it's 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 this bad drug. I know we mentioned that that um, you know the the middle class starting to use it, or when it was no longer a marginalized and us versus them. When I I know it's funny, I talk about cannabis in a couple contexts and looking at it world systems theories, uh, you know us versus them and the haves versus the have-nots and. Um, and and we find that cannabis fits into that same sort of perspective. What happened in Canada that sort of brought us away from the idea that cannabis was something something that was super beneficial to the idea that all governments for some reason wanted to regulate this thing and criminalize it and now only coming back to legalization right now. I mean, I know from my perspective, I think, but I'd love to hear what your perspective or your take on on that kind of thing is. Well, I think part of it was the the, 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 the scientific approach to medicine that meant we, we distrusted these more natural kinds of, of mm. remedies and and we, you know, the, the gold standard of medicine and, and all those kinds of uh, ways of verifying, um, you know, the efficacy of, of a substance and the need to, uh, obviously something which is going to come up around dosage and the need to have, uh, you know, a particular particular very clear amount and pressed into a pill and those kinds of things versus more of a, a natural kind of health aid. I mean, I think we're rediscovering the value of complementary and, and alternative medicine sure, uh, in, in recent decades. I think part of what you're describing uh, is that it was identified as a foreign drug. It was, you know, we got our good drugs and we got our bad drugs. Our good drugs were tobacco 
and alcohol and pharmaceutical drugs are bad drugs were the ones that grew in in, in foreign lands and and, and were uh-huh. associated with with you know particular ethnic groups or racialized minorities and and that's all part of the picture it was uh-huh. it was criminalizing Canada in 1923 there were no reported seizures for about 13 years in, until the mid 30s so we really have kind of a uh, something based on what do you mean so so they crim- uh, just I want to go back to that sure yeah. sorry so yeah, they criminalized yeah. cannabis in 1923 but nobody really gave a shit sorry mom nobody right. nobody fuck I, sw- I was trying not to swear I really was <laughs> it's tough with this it, topic it I is, know yeah. it is it is yeah so <laughs> so they but so they're criminalized in 1923 I mean I go back to the William Lyon McKenzie thing out in British Columbia uh-huh. in that that really started in my mind was the opium race yes. riots yes and where William Lyon McKenzie was sent out there to squash the opium race riots but instead of squashing the damn race riot he f- fucking legalized he, he turned closed down all the pro-herbal medical schools marginalized the Asian population hey Dr. Vicky you get to use it um, <laughs> and uh and so he criminalizes all of the these these uh, the whatever what was I saying pro herbal medical schools, closes down uh, or stops literally the Asian pot like Asian population in Canada were unable to be pharmacists until the mid forties. Right, right. So what what the hell happened? Why did why does something like that happen? Uh, how well, does that they, happen? They, they called it the yellow peril at the time, right? I mean, it was this 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 racist sentiment, which is you know uh, suddenly blossoming again south of south of the 49th parallel, as, right. as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the time, uh, we, there was there was a, a good deal of settlement by by, by Chinese um, migrants who helped build the uh, the, the, the Cross Canada Railway at the time, yeah. who, were, who were willing to go down the mine shaft with a you know a, a t- t- mouth. Full of T- uh, TNT when when white workers weren't willing to do so and, and lost their lives in the process and and helped built this great nation and often settled at the end of the railroad right in in, in Chinatown in Vancouver right and and prospered and, and and built up businesses well you know suddenly this didn't sit quite so well with uh, with those who feel that uh, this was you know this was uh, taking away from white prosperity in some way somehow hailed as some kind of threat so their their habit of smoking opium was was as a convenient way to criminalize and hence marginalize Mm. that particular segment of the population. So you you certainly know your history as far as, uh, you know, the the, the opium prohibition uh, in 1908 that set off the the, the kind of the the, the legacy of prohibition that we've been left with to deal with ever since. Um, In 1923, uh, somebody by the name of Emily Murphy was was a court magistrate in in Edmonton, Alberta at the time. She has a statue on Parliament Hill now. Um, You know, known as a leading suffragette, so so somebody who is you know known uh, and, and and quite highly regarded as somebody who fought for the right of women to vote. Well, another part of that history is that uh, she she was a bit of a racist, and uh, and and based on reports that were coming out of uh, Los Angeles and and the United States, um, which associated that the use of marijuana with blacks and and criminals, and, right? Because that was just coming, that was happening at the same time. They, they were using it. these drugs to seduce white women and. Of course, that's a big problem when you talk about right. white national pride, right? right. Is like you know Fucking we stay stay away from my 
daughter. Exactly. So, you know. so cannabis gets la- gets added to the list um, really when nobody knew anything about it. It, it really didn't e- exist in Canada per se. I mean, uh, y- your perception that it probably existed in the, in in the form of of medical, uh, you know, tonics and those kinds right. of things that might have been available. Did, there were there were a lot of. You know, up till the early 1900s, like up to 1903, there were, you know, over 40 different medications that contained uh, t- uh, cannabis sativa, which is the, the or there's two types. You know, if we break down cannabis into its subspecies, scientific lesson number one, cannabis comes in three different species. The sociologist uh, will shut up now and, and <laughs> no, let you talk. No, yeah, I want to yeah, no, hear no, the sociologist. No, 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 I'm no. here to, we can bring a doctor in another time, we can talk about that. I want to know about the history because in order to understand where we are today, we have to understand where we were. But yeah. cannabis has different species. So you have, um, you have two types of, of, of cannabis sativa. We call it, and this isn't when I talk about sativa and indica and all these weird, uh, those are just geographical locations on our planet. But uh, there's there's uh, cannabis sativa and then cannabis sativa L. Uh, cannabis sativa is the one that contains uh, um, uh, THC, our basic cannabis sativa. The other one, the L, uh, was the is like hemp is hemp, and that was at the L is named after the uh, the gentleman that um, claims he's discovered it. In I guess everybody gets to discover something at the turn of the century. Uh, it, uh, anyway, uh, so, and that's hemp. So anyways, uh, it doesn't contain the, the cannabis. I don't even know where I was going with that. I just figured that it was an aside at the moment while we were talking about it. Oh, right. So most of them contain, the, we were talking about the tonics. Um, there was over 40 different patents, maybe 50. I don't know. I, listen, I'm reading history and whoever's his his story, whoever's on the side of history that's winning gets to dictate you how history it. was. So it. I hear the word 40, whether it's real or not real, I have no idea. But um, you know, I can go back and, and, and look at these things but I don't know what you know what was buried, yeah. under, you know, under in the sandstorm. Um, but there were cannabis was used in medicine for a very long time, I, even in Canada, in North America. And we used hemp here forever. I mean, we, we imperial hemp was like uh, until the until the mid 1500s. Actually, in the mid 1500s, uh, all the way up until the. Uh, uh, 18th, 19th century, we it was mandated for anybody who owned more than 60 acres of land in Canada to grow hemp on it because at the time Russia uh, controlled the hemp, uh, the world hemp trade, and uh, we wanted to rely on ourselves. So Queen Elizabeth, the whichever whoever whichever one it was at the time, um, may you know create had a mandate that we any anybody ha- that had certain acreage of land had to actually grow hemp on it but all of that lost favor and you're and you're telling me about that and i sort of i sort of you know i'm looking at it and i'm saying it was really the it was really the white man (laughs) fucked it all up i mean (laughs) what can i tell you like listen is that is that what it is is that what we did did we do all this is this check your privilege man is that what it is yeah is that did we screw all right you heard it here i don't think we need to continue anymore you know just like i have shit did it again um so 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 we did it so we did it what happened in 1923 Oh, it, that's when uh, cannabis was added to the list of outlawed substances why? in Canada. Why? Where? Wh- why? Why was it added? Well, on the basis of the reports coming out of the United States that this was uh, something that turned the Mexicans crazy. And, right. Because uh, the yes. marijuana. Which, yeah, the marijuana. Yeah. The word marijuana. Local, yeah. So you know, right. So yeah, what, yeah. you know that. So what is that? <laughs> what the is word it? marijuana. 
because that's why I don't use the term. I, okay. It's a derogatory term. Right. Like you said, makes you turn loco. Right. Uh, the word marijuana derived from a, a Spanish term used in Mexico that they they depicted this this lazy knife wielding Mexican who's going to you know kill your children, your white daughters. Right. And um, right. And and somehow and so and somehow that got used. So is that what happened? Yeah, I mean, uh, in, in the United States was a guy by the name of Harry Anslinger who, who, yes. who started up yes. this, you know, the, the, the Federal that, Bureau man. of Narcotics. Yes, he was a racist as they, he's as racist sure. as they call. He was the first, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when the, when the red peril subsided, we needed something to replace it, so it became a war on drugs, you know? It, uh-huh. it, like, how do we keep the bureaucrats busy, basically? We, we've got all of this infrastructure in place by which to, you know, send, send out lots of cops to break down your door. Uh, you know, if we're not looking for communists, you know, maybe we better look be looking for drug dealers or you know right. whatever, right? I mean, it, it fit it fit the bill anyway, and it, and clearly there wasn't much in the way of opposition because people could say pretty much what they wanted, and uh, they they had the power to make it stick. So 1923 was the start of it. Like I say, there weren't really seizures uh, recorded until like the the mid 30s. So we really had kind of the making of a law without a without a problem that to substantiate uh, that really? that kind of intrusion into uh, into private rights so or, they just or what have you. Tossed her in there. I mean, Harry Anslinger was he. So he was like this. He he was a, a known racist. I mean, I think at the end of the day, he single-handedly cr- helped create Reefer Madness. Yes. Right. Yes. Is that is that from yeah. my understanding? He's okay, the, it was a little later and in, uh, in chronologically than uh, Emily Murphy in the twenties in, in Canada. I mean, he was he was active right up into the fifties, I believe, really? uh, in, in the United States in his role with you know as, as the drug czar through various uh, administrations, uh, all the way up to you know Nixon and, and and his famous proclamation of the war on drugs down there, which is when things really heated up. Um, but what yeah, it, why why? Well, it, it, it fit the political purpose at the time, right? How are you going to disenfranchise uh, a major segment of the population? Well, you're going you're gonna to pick on, on, on something that is associated with them, whether it be the use of, of foreign drugs that, are, that aren't used by uh, the rest of the populace. That, that fit the bill, right? So very much in the way that the, 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 uh, the Chinese came under scrutiny in Canada, we've got a similar process whereby how, how do you take away the vote from people? You imprison them, right? right? So we've got uh, you know large can't segments. Can't vote in prison. No, you can't. Large large segments of the of the African population uh, ended up in prison as a result, and you've got destroyed families, and and it, it fit the bill very well. Uh-huh. If, if if you want to stigmatize and label a particular group for political purposes, the war on drugs has always served that pur- purpose remarkably well. You know, because you so, can put them in jail and you can't vote. Well, yeah. So our agenda wins. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable. Our agenda went, see? Oh, does it not frustrate you? I don't know. It frustrates me. I mean, I see this bureaucracy. I see it in medicine. I see it everywhere. I mean, I think we've all been marginalized in our own different ways, even within, at least I have, even within the, uh, within the frameworks in which we work. And, uh, and, but, but a whole population, interesting. I rem- it reminds me of this quote that I wish I can remember, um, where... Cannabis uh, um, criminalization, I think, was the word. Was is is like was a was it was this thin layer veil of underlying racism. It was just like a, it was like you just said. The reason why cannabis was outlawed, 
they it was were were racial. It was purely for it was like a racial undertone. It was purely a racial undertone, and I can't. I wish I can remember the the quote right now. I think I have it on my computer, which I may or may not have here. I, I feel like I want to pull it out. I'm gonna pull out this damn quote. Can you? Well, let's get my computer. We're gonna get my computer. I want to pull it. out this quote. Let's do it. I did this uh, little history lesson. You think? Can you pass me my computer? Well, I don't need the whole bag. Thanks, Vic. Dr. Vicky, I'm pulling out my computer. We're getting history lessons 101, and then we're going to talk about stigma and marginalization. If you're already a marginalized population, what else are you going to do? You're just going to continue to do what you're doing and become more marginalized because you're stuck. How do I get it? Um, look at that. I'm now on my computer. Uh, is this not recording? Is it? I mean... You can't see my... Well, there's nothing to see here. <laughs> what am I saying? There's nothing to see here. Be careful that screen um, yeah. Now we're going on to my Gmail account. Look, we're pulling this stuff out right in the middle just because I, I wish I had it. I wish I had it pulled up already. Um, we're going to do it. We're, gonna, we're doing it all here. It's uh, making knowledge on the fly. That's it? it. Yeah, wow. Um, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That's not it. I want to get this quote because I think it's super awesome. Oh, I'm on the wrong email. Uh, we're going to a different email, people. So look at this. Like it all happens here. This is what. Oh shoot! You see, now I logged out of my computer. I have no idea how to get back into my computer. Honestly, this is what happens. Uh, okay. Well, I no just. No one can say you didn't try. I yeah. screwed the whole yeah. thing up. Mom, this is your fault for not letting me swear today. <laughs> I, I blame you. She's gonna be happy though. At least I, uh, at least I shouted out to her. So look, he cares about me too. You <laughs> can, mom. Of course I do. I'll leave my mother out of this. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's. Uh, hey, anybody want to know how to make a butter? Um, here, what's this? Nope, that's not it either. Hold on. Please see. Here, what's this? Invention of cannabis. Da -da -da -da. Found it. Oh, but I found. You know the worst part of this whole thing? I'm such a. <laughs> ah! Um, I'm so. That's so funny. I could have just gone to my lectures. Instead, I go to the. Instead, I. Yeah, I'm such a. Such a. Listen, sometimes I just, you know, the whole thing came together now. I could have just gone to my actual lectures. Instead, I went to the recordings of it for some reason. All right, here we go. Can, um, so one, okay, forget that. Here it is. Where is it? Where's my quote? I bet you it's not even in here. Oh. So first I have prohibition according to James Mills. Huh? I like that grew out of politics of empire rather than science or rational assessment. It's a great quote, is I'm it not? 100% support that. Do you do? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> ah, here. Early prejudice against cannabis was thinly veiled racist fears of its smokers. That's all I was trying to say. I think Somebody's already that. discovered this. I guess we're behind the eight we're, ball. This, eh, but yeah, <laughs> hey, who said that? I don't even know. Okay, that's all I wanted it's to say. It's verification. We're not making this right, stuff we're up. Not making right, we're not making this right, stuff up. Right, right, right. So, 
so so is that true? So that's happened. That's what it was. Well, now and we've got at least three people think so. So, so, that's, in, so uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. we have a movement. When we you're sitting out there on your own, yeah. it doesn't count. If you have three people doing something, then <laughs> it counts. Right. No, I read all this stuff somewhere at some point. I but promise. then you wrote yeah. about it. Well, sure, yeah. I mean, to the best of my ability, you gotta you got to kind of contextualize things. Um, you know, I think uh, we're, we're destined to repeat our failures if we forget our history, right? Our, um, what happened... So 1923 comes around. We we legal uh, Canada criminalizes or uh, uh, cannabis. Then comes the 1960s and 70s, mm. and we start doing science around cannabis. Mm. What happens at that point in time that says, "Hey, I think we need to revisit this"? Well, I mean, arguably the science was started all the way back. You know, the time of the Indian Hemp uh, Commission back in the late uh, 1800s. Can you describe right? the Indian Hemp Commission? Well, this was put together uh, based on the, the colonial experience of the right. United Kingdom That's right. in India, where, you know, there's a long cultural history of, of, of the use the of... The ganja of, doctor came from India. There you go, ganja and bang yep. and, uh, yep. you know, uh, so, uh, and, and the, the concern that arose around this foreign practice that wasn't, uh, that wasn't commonplace with, with, within the empire itself, and, uh, and, and the need to, to, to get a better understanding of it. So the research was done in terms of the physical, the mental, um, the social problems and harms associated with it. Uh, they came up with very little to speak of, and you know that's probably the first of the many reports that were shelved, where where whoever commissioned the report didn't like the findings, so to speak. But you know like this is everything it, happened like that. Absolutely. Every commission we've had says that this is the last thing in the planet that should be criminalized, and right. yet they right. throw it away and they criminalize it. Right. I'm super. Friggin can I'm just super confused. Mm. I mean, I understand that we have that we have um, that you know, that racist racism and politics have the underlying are, are the reason why it was criminalized. But do we not now? I mean, I guess we're decriminalizing it. And I, and I have to tell you, in the legalization world, and my thoughts around the way that we're legalizing it, we're just going into a more prohibitive state. Um, it's 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 not really legalizing it. Where you can legalize it in a very 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 specific way. Mm. It's not like hey, we have alcohol. You can go drink it at a bar. You can go drink it over here. You can sure you can't get behind a wheel and drink alcohol. That makes sense. That's the safety issue. But we're not doing that with cannabis. Where cannabis, you can smoke in this way over there, in 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 this one little spit. We're we're regulating it even more than it's already been regulated, and I think that's one of the, you know, one of the downfalls of our, our of the legalization legislation that's coming out. But what happened? What was the political shift that took cannabis from uh, a criminalization? perspective in the six uh, all the way up through reefer madness which we've now sort of defined and i agree with you it was based on on um the white really the white middle class child or my daughter using cannabis and we have to protect them so you have the movie that comes out in the I think it was late 20s 30s or whenever it was uh you know demonize the the devil with the cannabis which then we call marijuana um you know, is they're gonna they're gonna literally rape and kill your children because they use cannabis. It's like, and that was really that thinly veiled, underlined racist tone. 
Because we it was pretty explicit at the was, time. We, we could argue that it's an undertone now. Okay, because it's the root, the, root, the, root really. of, the root of all our of our prohibition uh, had this very explicit, uh, extroverted kind of racist tone. I would argue that it's more of an undertone now because it's really the the basis of it all to begin with. And we've just taken for granted that it is the way it is because it's been that way for so long. We were both, uh, you know, grew up in a society where it was criminalized. We were probably told it was bad at, at right. some point repeatedly sure. over yeah. and over again uh, we had to discover for ourselves that uh, that that wasn't so true right um, I mean why, why are things changing now I mean I guess a, a, a positive view is that you can only sustain a lie for so long and and maybe we have a lot of people to thank for those who, who've uh, been brave enough to like step yourself, out of step out of the closet and be you know open about it well I mean it doesn't take much to write about it it does sometimes to stand up and, and, and admit that you use it yourself if you're a person of Right. social standing and credentials and those kinds of things and, and and every instinct in you tells me to shut up about this right well at some point you know integrity's got to t take the day right yes. and uh, and maybe this is starting to pay off right there's enough there's enough um, information out there that is being circulated and people are starting to listen a change of government doesn't help uh, doesn't hurt you know sorry uh, when I mean under the Harper government we weren't going to see this happen obviously that was a dark very dark period of, of, of drug policy um, Trudeau comes in and you know he's open to research and those kinds of things so you know it, it's kind of hard to maintain Although the from, veil from our perspective I'll tell you from the cannabis perspective at least the medical perspective Oh, we're getting political again. Yeah, let's, um, let's, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, have to get there a little bit. It yeah. was a lot easier to practice one medicine, and uh, to practice certainly to practice medicine under the Harper government than it is to practice medicine under the Trudeau government. But also cannabis specifically was a lot easier to work with under the Harper government than it was under the Trudeau government. Harper actually created the programs. Right, you know, um, whereas Trudeau's trying to throw away the medical program, pretty much, okay. like saying there's no, ba there's no. I mean, they're taxing, they're taxing medical cannabis the same way as they're taxing recreational cannabis, uh, which basically said, and, and there is no other drug in Canada in in Canada that has a uh, that has a tax on. No pharmaceutical has a tax on it. They have a dispensing fee, but that's you know that's the pharmacy. There's no tax on on a medication. But yet the Trudeau government comes in and says, we're going to tax cannabis, medical cannabis, the same way that we're taxing recreational cannabis. And I'm going to say, why are they doing that? So his response to that, Trudeau's response on camera, on TV, was, well, we're trying to wean out all of the fakers. They're all fakers. Everybody's a faker. That's literally pretty much what he said. Everybody is a faker. What kind of bullshit is that? I'm sorry. Oh, there, Mom. I've lost it. Fuck it. Out the window. I'm swearing. I'm back to my <laughs> usual self again. Yeah. You know, I get frustrated. You know, there's use for swearing. Did you watch the invention of swearing? It's, it adds like that. Uh, you know, valuable. and you get passionate yeah. about something. Yeah. Okay, so what it, what, it, what it basically said is a doctor does not know how to do their job is basically what he's saying. A doctor is, does not have the tools to wean out the patient's who do and are, who are who are and are not using it for medical purposes. I'll tell you, over the last decade that I've been practicing in cannabinoid medicine, um, having pretty much started it, one of the original starters of the medical cannabis uh, industry here in, in Canada, specifically around clinics, I've developed protocols to wean those people out. 
But you don't see Trudeau asking the clinicians. You see him asking his cabinet again. And so this comes back to the, what is the reason for this? One, tax dollars. I think dollars make more sense than racist racism right now mm. we rather make more money than be racist mm. it's it's probably going to get us further in the world i think if racism got us further which it did at one point in time because you can marginalize people and get what you need from them which also became a a money-making scheme probably great but it's pretty faux pas to be to be racist right now if you're a government mm. in canada mm. so let's make money how do we make money tax so we're going to tax, and, and I'm not against it. We've been arguing for tax dollars, tax cannabis, make it legal for the last three decades. That was the argument forever was let's legalize cannabis, tax it, you'll make so much money. Okay, they're doing it, people. So we shouldn't argue about that. But we're talking about the medicine. And if you're going to tell me that I don't know how to do my job, don't come to me when you have a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me sometimes it's okay to do my job and then sometimes it's not okay to do my job. Don't try to be a clinician or a doctor if you're not. I'm not trying to be a politician. You can consult us and I will consult you on political things, but don't try to play a part that's not your role. And and I don't think it's and I don't think it's their role to tax medical cannabis. By taxing medical cannabis, one, they're taking away from the notion that created our, our, our medicine in Canada, which is universality, which is access for everybody, because you're now putting another burden or a block in front of it. And two, you're saying a physician just doesn't know how to do their job. So that's my issue with the Trudeau government when it comes to legalization. They're not, it's, it's, it was a lot easier under, under the Harper government, who also understood medicine. That's just my opinion. Presumably the association that speaks for you isn't doing a very good job in terms of communicating what you've just communicated to the federal government. Is that fair to say? I mean, uh, I have a, you know, or, or, or should we not talk about it? No, we the, don't, 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 don't talk about it. Let's get there. Let's, I, I don't mind talking about that at all. Okay. Um, I've been pretty, pretty, uh, a pretty loud advocate I'm about it. I'm not... Uh, I'm not doing it in a distasteful way. I'm not using hateful language. I'm using fact. Hmm. And uh, yeah, no, uh, we don't have a very good advocacy program within medicine to advocate for, for, for us. We have a group that, I mean, they, they, some of them try. They're, it's, uh, it's just pretty divided. Uh, fair to say that still you're in a minority in terms of openness among physicians to, uh, to to make this choice of medicine more readily available, or perhaps more would be on board, but it just start, it isn't worth the trouble and the oh, we're risk. We're talking about cannabis. See, I already was like, <laughs> I oh, was already. Sorry. I okay. went no, I love it. I went, I went like totally off. I went totally off the <laughs> off the mountain. I was like talking about medicine in general. But yes, when it comes to cannabis in in Canada, um. Well, when I started, I was basically waving my own banners. There was nobody else out there, and I was marginalized by everybody, the medical community, the government community, the media. I mean, you just have to go on the Internet, and you can see, you know, the I call it cannabis discrimination that, you know, that took place. And we don't, uh, we don't have a combined voice for medicine, medical cannabis as a therapy. This is going to bring me into actually harm reduction. So I want to talk to you about harm reduction a little bit. I know that you, you know, you're, you're the way that you think about harm reduction. I'd love to hear what you think about harm reduction when it comes to cannabis. Uh, because I know that uh, for me, we don't have, have a, a unified voice and there aren't enough of us talking about cannabis in, in, um, 
in the uh, as an advocacy as a medical as medical advocates to the government. The government, ha and even when we do. It's not necessarily, they're not really listening. They have their, and I think this may exist in all, in, I mean, I'm sure it exists in all areas. They have their go-to people. Mm -hmm. They're the only people that they'll listen to. Most of the time, they're not on the ground floor, so they're not listening to the what the people are saying or what's really happening. The clinician, they're listening to the researcher who, who doesn't really have a grasp on reality. And, uh, and so, and, and then they just keep perpetuating that. Instead of saying, hey, and I've written them letters, and I published the letters on, on Facebook in response to things. For example, I, uh, and this, uh, I, I, I um, sent a letter asking about uh, the taxation, saying what, what, you know, what's happening with taxation. It takes away from universality. There's no other drug that's doing it. You're inhibiting other you know, patients that are, are suffering. The response is safety. Do we have a safety issue? Tell me, throughout history, if we had, or in Canada, is there a safety issue? Where did that notion come from, safety of cannabis? Uh, it's not one that I'm aware of. Right. I think it's part of the prohibitionist mindset, right? Right. Yeah. What is that prohibitionist mindset? Like, what? Wh well, I mean, I would argue you, you talk about harm reduction. You, you've already kind of fed into the prohibitionist argument. It's only half an analysis, right? What about okay. what about benefit enhancement? I mean, you know, we can't oh. talk about benefits when we're stuck within that, that mindset where it's all about uh. reducing the harms of drug use. So it's a bit of a problem to uh, like to, to, ex to to expect to have dramatic, uh, you know, movement forward in tr in terms of drug reform, uh, in terms of a harm reduction mandate. Um, part of the problem with harm reduction, my, from my perspective, is is this claim for objectivity and value neutrality and all these. Uh, as a sociologist and, and a student of history, I, I don't think that anyone can be value neutral about anything. I mean, there's always a, a surrounding context and, and, and worldview that, uh, that, that means values are always at play. And to pretend that values don't exist and we're going to do an impartial scientific analysis to reduce the harm is really only half an analysis, right? We've already kind of we've, we're already kind of playing the game, uh, and it's very heavily decked in in, in terms of uh -huh. those who see drugs as nothing but harm. Of course, the the, the truth is, uh, people have used drugs for uh, for all time and for all kinds of reasons. And yes, there are there are there are problems associated with its use, uh, typically in an immoderate way for uh, for for reasons that perhaps are you know uh, allowing someone to mask something that could could be more effectively treated or dealt with in some other way. And, and, and that's uh, harm reduction kind of plays into that. I mean, it, you mentioned such an, you mentioned something that's new to me. Hmm. I never thought of like, thought of it like that. Looking at harm reduction as a prohibitionist mindset. Hmm. You said that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to knock harm reduction. I mean, when you think about it in pragmatic terms, it's like, well, yeah, of course. But then again, I mean, if you're if you're not starting out with some kind of idea that people have the right to use drugs, then you're you're, you're already kind of starting out within that prohibitionist kind of uh, way of looking at things, right? Wow. I think you need a moral foundation on which to build pragmatic policy. Right, the prohibitionists have always had a moral foundation, and just simply that it's wrong. So, at some point, drug policy reformers have to take the moral high ground and say, "No, it's prohibition that's wrong," and therefore we're going to have a far more balanced analysis than we've ever that's ever been possible under the under the huh. existing system. You've right? changed. Wow, wow, you've that beautiful. You've changed like 
just thinking about it's such a simple concept. Okay. That, well, yeah. You know, it a simp- like I don't mean concept. Maybe that's the wrong word. It's it's like just a, a just a switch. Just think of it a little differently. I've always thought of harm reduction as we have to, you know, for decreasing the harms of one drug using a safer drug, that's a good thing. And it is a good thing. We can I mean I think we all agree well, it's I'm not a good denying thing. That. But we're but but your argument, which which I think makes so much sense, is just by starting the argument with the word harm with the concept of harm reduction, you're thinking from a prohibitionist's perspective versus a more well rounded perhaps perspective of saying, what is the real problem here? Well, and if you don't have a, a worldview that allows for a balanced analysis, you can have uh, cops say that they're practicing harm reduction by throwing people in prison. You know, right. the, you can define it any way you want. Um, I think we need a, a definition that kind of accepts that people have the right to use drugs first and foremost, and then move okay. on to reduce the harm, as people have always done within their subcultural networks of drug users from the beginning, right? Right. And is it morally wrong to say that we have the, uh, that people have the right to use drugs? I'm a physician. I don't, I'm, from my perspective, I'm not a prohibitionist. Hmm. People have the right to make their own choices as long as they don't harm other people in the process. Um, I think from my, as a physician, my first goal is to do no harm. So I come already with a bias, which mm-hmm. is do no harm, mm-hmm. which is maybe a prohibitionist's mindset was built in there. But am I harming myself? Like, let's say, let's not use cannabis because cannabis clearly is like had just less harmful than most other common drugs. I don't even like, I mean, you talk to say it's not a drug. It's a medication. It's a herb. It's, you know, just using the word drug make, has its own connotes something evil, mm-hmm. Right. Is it's it fair to say, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I mean, the best, no, best analogy I can think of is when positive psychology came into, into, into being, right? Uh, psychology always used to be about addressing pathology in mm-hmm. terms of abnormal, you know, behavior, uh, you know, ways of thinking, what have you. I mean, I guess medicine traditionally had that focus, but presumably there's a kind of uh, uh, a parallel to positive psychology where the emphasis is shifting towards more about enhancing well-being as opposed to focusing entirely on pathology. Is that is that fair to I say? I love it. Yeah. I just love that whole mindset. I think my mindset may even slightly be altered by you just saying that. I, I love the idea that, because yes, as a physician, my my you know my goal is to treat somebody's disease, right right process. So in that, even though as a physician in general, my goal is to enhance well-being and and preventative medicine is part of that, uh, you know, is is like that's our number one goal is let's prevent it before it happens. But oftentimes as a medical community or in, and me as an emergency physician, I was, we were just talking about earlier on what happened last night in the emergency department. I have all these people coming in and they're all trying to die on you at the same time. Right. I can't, I don't have an opportunity to enhance your well-being at that point. My goal is to keep you from dying. Sure. And uh, if I can do that, that's what I'm going to do. But at the same part point in time, that's that mentality that I'm not looking at the rest of you as a person. And so that positive psychology doesn't exist. It comes, it's more of a PTSD for feeling. It's more of, right. I'm going to keep you from dying because if I don't, I'm going to, you know, like that's the end. 
We're talking about emergency medicine now, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm, ta- I'm going yeah, all okay. over the place. Man, no, no. you have my whole mind changing. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, talking about emergency medicine. Sure. But if I bring it back, let's even if we bring it back into the, you know into this into the drug world or into the cannabis into the cannabis space, the thought process of of harm reduction. I look at it. You know, I'm conducting a study right now. Um, and uh, the study showing outstanding results. We have uh, those who have been enrolled in the study have an 88, uh, 88% of those enrolled in the study have decreased their opioids. Mm-hmm. 71, and we're in the middle of a massive epidemic of mm-hmm. opioid use. Yes. But is, is and, and so that'll bring me to my next question even, is that, a, a, I mean, is that something that's concerning? If everybody has the right to use a drug, do we care about, op- do we care about a crisis? Is that, me- how do we define a crisis then? Um, but anyways, moving past that, 72% of the patients enrolled in the study have decreased their opioids 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From a medical perspective, that's harm reduction. Sure. I'm, and I, I always thought of it as a positive thing because that's the perspective of harm reduction that I come from. Sure. But when we use it as a general term of harm reduction, which I think is in a different context altogether... We're now talking about, you know, I'm talking from a very specific medical perspective of harm reduction. And when, you're t- when you talk about harm reduction, you're talking about it from this sociological perspective related to, well, we have to stop one drug for another drug. Right. We're stopping, we're, we're prohib- we want to prohibit a drug for another drug. So from that perspective, I can see how it's a negative. Mm-hmm. But in my perspective as a physician, I see it as a positive. Mm-hmm. But how do we merge those two things? That's what we're doing here. How do we merge those two things? And you mentioned, I think, you mentioned a shift. So what do we do to drug policy? What drug policy reformers, what do you think the goal is? And how do we avoid a crisis like an opioid crisis if all drugs are legal? Well, I, I, I think you'd have to make a case that prohibition, is, prohibition has ever been an effective way of dealing with the drug problem. Right, hasn't, uh, yeah. No. So, I mean, do, do I have to argue further? I mean, no. I, I, I guess, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I just want to caution against uh, interpreting my argument that the, the harm reduction is harmful in and of itself. I just think it's limiting to uh-huh. a certain degree. As you say, when you're, when you're in, the, in the ER dealing with a crisis situation, of course, it's all about reducing the harm. In perhaps your other practice, in running a wellness clinic or that, I mean, you're looking at a more holistic kind right. of it's view. It's a struggle. It's certainly a struggle. So if you're going to address drug-related problems, you're going to have to get around to what it is that led somebody to use those drugs to begin with. And surely there, there was some kind of um, function or benefit that they're seeing from that use, I mean, you look at the you know the most destitute person on the street, uh, suffering from you know s- some kind of mental health disorder or something. The addiction to you know some street drug may be I- in fact uh, uh, better than dealing with uh, the hopelessness and despair that they're dealing. At least it's 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 a way out. It's an, an right. escape. But well, we have to recognize that in order to deal with addiction, right? right? We have to realize what the motivation is to begin with, and 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 half analyses that well, drugs are bad, therefore we're just going to focus. Is, is not going to get us anywhere. Right? But that's what we, and that's what we focus on. We focus right. on drugs are bad. Right. Because we call, you know, uh, I have a friend, uh, I'm not going to mention your name because then she'll just get upset, okay. um, who works in the rehabilitation or in the addictions world. But, you know, or, or let's forget that. They even, you, let's go to, let's take something like Homeward or CAMH or let's go to total abstinence programs. Okay. Total abstinence programs. 
I guess what we're saying is, you know, let's say, and we have, a, and they don't allow cannabis in these abstinence programs, right. um, even though it's a, you know, it's less harmful than these other, other than these other drugs. But I don't, I don't even know. I can't. I feel like we, sh- I can't even talk about it anymore, because I'm not giving it its full round view. If I talk about, uh, talk about an abstinence program, for example, that says we shouldn't be using any drugs, mm-hmm. am I now a prohibitionist? Is that is that what I'm saying, or am I saying you have a problem, uh, and and abstinence is the answer? Because sometimes it is the answer. Absolutely, for some, right, but, for, but not for, many, for everybody. It's not, uh-huh. and we need programs that are tailored to allow a range of choices for people for whom, you know, I, I probably shouldn't be drinking, uh, you know, a Mickey of vodka every night. But if I'm getting some kind of relief from, um, you know, smoking some cannabis throughout the day, who's anybody to tell me that, you know, that's a problem? Well, from an abstinence-only perspective, that's clearly a problem. Um, but I think, you know, even places like Homewood have some kind of recognition. Of they, they've brought in harm reduction. They've kind of uh, allowed for some kind of movement beyond that 12-step model, which, you know, is, is based on a fundamental contradiction, of course, right, is, is that uh, drug use is a disease um, and the cure is some kind of management of it through some kind of social means of group support. Well, in my view, if you're going to label something as a disease, um, then shouldn't, uh, within the realm of a, of a kind of a medical interpretation, then surely the solution should be something medical as well, right? I mean, right. I have a hard time getting over that contradiction. So, you know, it, that's not mm. to say the 12-step is, isn't the answer for some people. Better better just stay away from it altogether. Better uh, substitute some, some kind of lifestyle that allows me to focus all my attention on, you know, going to meet or whatever kind of way that, uh, that allows me to get through. But there's a lot of people who drop out of 12 step because that doesn't work for them, right? right. So what are we going to do for those four, four folks? You know, like I don't know. What do we do for them? What do we do? Well, we must allow for some kind of recognition of harm reduction, right. uh, the value of, of, of cannabis as, we, a, as, a far, as a far less harmful substitute, and, and accept the fact, well, this might not be perfect, but pragmatically it makes a lot of sense for this person. So right? that's where things like... Um, like uh, um, high sobriety. There's a group in California that have uh, that have um, a rehabilitation center called High Sobriety. So they use cannabis in their in their form of of rehabilitation, which I think is excellent. So I, I think this is where cannabis does that full circle again. Hmm. And you know, I bring it back to the beginning. We were talking about community, where sometimes you know uh, you know currently we may have been losing some community, but I think in the last in the last, uh, for me, in the last five, six years, seeing the cannabis community coming together for things like uh, for things like a high sobriety to allow something like that to happen, there had to be a political shift. Mm. Uh, and uh, the shift is maybe there's a maybe there still are these underlying racist racial tones uh, and political. Certainly, we imprison half of the you know half a pop literally like you know skewed numbers of populations uh which now makes sense for political purposes because you can't vote when you're in prison mm-hmm. and uh uh which i mean i guess maybe i knew that but maybe i just never thought of it like that and um <clears throat> and so that but i think that political shift is now is is sort of changing and so that's how we're having this legalization you know talk uh, we're able to have that conversation now uh, in the last, you know, two decades. What do you think, final, like, final thoughts on what do you think the real political shift 
or what the real motivation for legalization of cannabis was. You know, throughout history, we have we have we have on one side you have prohibitionists, the other side you have the non-prohibitionists, but you also have economists and you have capitalists. And cannabis spread like wildfire as soon as capitalism uh, existed, and you had ships that could take cannabis plants to other parts of the world. Um, and uh, uh, what? But still, we went through reefer madness and all that crap that happened even during capitalism. What do you think the last twenty years, or even the last ten years? What do you think that, as a final thought, your last shift was towards um, our, our shift towards legalization. Where do you think that push came from? I know I believe it was it was a patient-driven thing. It was a societal issue saying we've had enough. We understand that this is actually beneficial, whether it's recreational or medicinal, and the plant itself has, you know, its own its own momentum in force driving it. Uh, but what do you think, what do you think that real shift was that brought us to where we are today? Well, I mean, we could enumerate all the various stakeholders, and you've given some idea of the different context that clearly plays a role, but I, I, I hate to sound too cynical, but at some point, a, a government realized there was more votes to be gained than lost by legalizing cannabis. Yeah. That simple. That simple. That simple. That simple. Let's keep it simple. True. Yeah, so I yeah. agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> okay. It was, I, I, drop I do. Drop the mic then. I, yeah. drop, drop, that's, all you, that's all you really need to say before we play our, our last game of, I don't even haven't played this game. It's fun. Don't worry. How do you know? Cards. Maybe you have. You're right. I made an assumption. I never played it. Um, listen, so I, I agree that even legalization, we came from a political spot and the political environment has shifted. And so it's still a political move. And uh, is it based on the welfare of the people? Probably not. Probably not. Certainly right. not science. It's certainly not based on science or it never would have been where it was in the first place. Never has been. No. Right. No. What do you teach your first-year students? <laughs> I want to know what's going on in that class. Introduction to criminology. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, that, that simple, that broad, and uh, uh -huh. let, let's give them a, a broad introduction to the discipline. Let's give them an understanding of what dis different disciplines have to offer in terms of you know, biological understandings of deviance and criminality and uh, psychological ways of looking at it. Now let's look at how a sociologist looks at it mm -hmm. with this broad understanding of context and the importance of understanding things within the human group and, and, and how that, uh, you know, lends itself to understanding the subject matter. And from there, we can delve into all kinds of interesting topics, kind of like we've been doing here today. That's so, kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I would have liked criminology. I just, I, you right. know, play on both sides of it. I knew you would have sat in the front row. Anyway. I would have, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I mean, I probably even would have had one of those dictaphones. At some points, I even had to, I was like, I was taking notes. And I didn't understand a damn thing that ever happened in class because I uh, goes in one ear, comes out the other thing. I'd have to go home and rewrite my notes. And unlike Dr. Vicky over here that I remember when she was studying for her board exams, I think it was like a day before, yeah, I'm just going to look at my board exam. Oh, yeah, I just won the award for X and Y. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's so nice of you. Anyway, I had to study my ass off to get to where I was, unfortunately. Um, but at the same time, you know, made a smarter person. Okay, let's get back to this. Okay, so history. Oh, that was a loud clap. Was that a loud clap? It was that boom. Everybody heard that, I'm sure, on the on 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 wherever with whoever the hell's very impressive. To this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Uh, my clap's a little louder. I <laughs> mean, different kinds of clapping. Anyway, okay. So my final thoughts all together, putting it together, I mean, clearly cannabis has had a really complicated and complex um, 
transition to where we are today, like all drugs have. And uh, whether we should be legalizing all drugs or criminalizing some of them or not criminalizing some of them is, is, is complicated. But I, I'm, I have to agree that we need a well-rounded, I think we're going to find, a, like you said, a more well-rounded approach when we take away the idea of this is harm reduction. We're only looking at that prohibitionist mentality versus what benefits us. Right. Versus what harms us. So let's, and, and that's really my argument with where cannabis research needs to go. We've looked at research, we've har- looked at the harms of cannabis forever and found like relatively nothing. If there are harms, of course, you know, like everything, it's still a medicine, it's still a, uh, uh, a herb. Every medicine, every herb has its, comes with its own list of potential side effects, so of course we have to. But we've always looked at these damn harms, and it's gotten us, it's great. You know, actually, I just wrote this little article because Bill Blair. Um, I, Got it in there. Damn, the- I, was, I wasn't <laughs> going to say that. You know, and, you know, and fair enough, he's pro this cannabis thing. But again, what are we researching? Oh, we're going to open up 14 studies uh, and we're going to look at things like the harms of cannabis. Honestly, have we not fucking looked at the harms of cannabis for long enough? Why don't we do what you say and what most of us are saying? And let's look at the benefits. Right. Where's the wellness? And forget about the, the cannabis. Look at the wellness of the person. What benefits society? What benefits the individual? What benefits us to flourish and to be better humans instead of what's taking us down? If we keep looking at what's taking us down, we're not going to move on to the future in a positive way and maybe moving forward positively. Interesting. You're a criminologist and a sociologist who looks at the positive benefits of things. You don't find that so often. Go figure. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's all that radical to scrap a policy that's never done any good. In fact, it's only uh, brought more harm to people and society. Uh, so we're called the radicals? I mean, right. really? <laughs> really? Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. No. 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 Love it. Awesome. We're going to play this game now. That was great. We're going to play two cards of this game. And okay. we're going to leave the board so that... Every time, so that I can win, basically. That's basically <laughs> what it is. I'm just going to move my thing ahead. I need the rest of the game. One second. We need that. Oh, that. We're going to pair. Here's the game. Oh, um, hold on a second. Hold on. Oh, I also want to... Sh- There's a couple other things. You know, before we f- move on, I'm going to... A couple other current events. Current events. Um... Cannabis Retreats is coming up. Uh, that's a six-day all-inclusive full cannabis experience in uh, Malibu, California. It's going to be April 19th to 24th. Uh, you'll get CARE certified, so that means you'll be able to do uh, my uh, cannabis um, educational program through it as well. And it's a bunch of like-minded community-based uh, individuals, and uh, it's five days of or six days of really just coming together in community, um, and uh, and and it's going to be an excellent experience, uh, and cannabis with cannabis infused food, and uh, vape bars, and uh, partying, and then also ceremony and yoga and uh, meditation, and it's five days, and it's in Malibu, California, and it's going to be amazing. So you guys should check it out. Uh, cannabis retreats. Otherwise, I'll never remember to say it. Also, finally came out with. Our first 
branded baby elephant um, uh, product, and it's a T, if I can only pronounce the darn word. Oh, here, this is the game we're playing. Anyway, um, I'll just put it doesn't matter. Hold on, I'm going to kick it away. Where's the T? I'm going to get the T. Thank you. Can you see it? Were you not even recording? Are you trying not to talk again? Are you trying to be quiet? Yeah. Shh, you're not here. There's nobody recording. Okay, that's the T. Look at it. It's really cool. It's called Roybus. Roybus T. Honestly, probiotics. They're good for you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's that's our, our and that's the first of our products. You can get it here at Synergy. So check it out, and we'll eventually we'll be selling it online. It's made in Canada, and uh, all it's uh, natural, organic, and it's really good for you. Okay, that's all I got to say. Now let's play the game. So the way this game works, um, um, here we've got green. Where do we start? Oh, it starts all the way over here. Let's get rid of this tree thing. We're going to play two questions, and then we're going to be done. Hey, you want to play with us, Sandra? No. Come on, Sandra. No? Oh, I can't convince anybody to come in. Sandra, come on. I have no choice. Sa yeah, <laughs> you have no choice. Yeah. Feed the social. She's, yes, you will. Can, okay, are you ghost playing? Here, do you want to be pink? Is that too... Uh, Oh, come on. Gender specific? Uh, is that the only color left? Okay. There you go. It's I'll not. Do orange. Okay, beautiful. Sir, there you are. Do you identify as male, female, other, anything you want so we can know? You know, we have to be culturally sensitive. Absolutely. I identify as human. Beautiful. Love it. So do I. We're humans. All right. <laughs> All right. This is how the game goes. We roll to see who goes first. I got a five. You roll. You got a six. Mm. Goddamn professors. <laughs> and you got a six. Oh, Man, social you can people. go first. Please. A roll off? And, oh, well, it's a roll off. Yes. No, there's no. There's no. no. Listen, we're competitive, okay? That's right. Six. Oh. He still Dang. goes first. You know, the gods had it. So uh, we, we roll again. And then we pick up a card and we have to play whatever on the other side of it. Four. Four. You're red. One, two, three. Oh, no, we got to go up there. Hold on. One, two, go up here. Three, four. Take a hit. You got to take a card, read the other side of it, and do what it says. Name three slang terms for a marijuana cigarette other than a joint. Ooh. If you can do. Hold on. We need a timer. Do we have a timer? Sure. You get, we'll do 20 seconds. Look, see, he's already, th see, me, I procrastinate. I talk so mm -hmm. that, and then I say start the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hold on. Oh, sorry. Okay, 20 seconds on the clock. Go. Go. Spliff, reefer, blunt. Okay. So, so Got it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> professor. <laughs> All right. I'm horrible at this game. Okay, fine. Let's put the card on the bottom. And what did it say? Stay there or move forward? If you can do, then if you, what? If no can do, then back two spaces. Oh, okay. I'm staying I, put. You're staying put. <laughs> you're up. I'm up. Okay. Uh, can you just pass me the die, please? Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
five. I'm gonna get a two. Go up. Three, four, five. Busted! Spell the word marijuana backwards. Oh no. Look at the board if you have to. Fail and you lose a turn. Can I spell it first <laughs> on my phone? <laughs> no. 20 seconds. Hold on. Hold on. I one, have the timer. Two, Hold on. Three. I'm just going to pass this one five, to my. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know. I'm going too quick. Am I going too quick? Probably. No. Yeah, no. You're 11, good. 12. A N A U J I R A M. I'll give it to you. I don't Timer have, done. Oh, thank God I didn't have to do that. <laughs> I have like a grade three spelling ability. But we save lives. Six. One, two, three, four, five, six. What's that? Oh, bad brownie. I can't read. All right, duet. You like weed. And it starts with a W. Words that start with a W. Whoever has the last word moves ahead three spaces. We're all going to play this. W. All right. I get to start. So I get to start with weed. Mm -hmm. Words with a W. We just go around until you get knocked out. Any word? Any word. Walrus? Okay. Walrus. I wish. Wind. <laughs> Is that a W? It's a W. <laughs> Why? War. What did, you, did you say? What did you say? Why? Wine. Why? Wine. I'll use wine next time. I, I just used it. <laughs> I said war. Oh, really? You're such a sensitive person. <laughs> Weasel? That's good. <laughs> oh, water. Water. Oh. Win. Start, get that timer going. Get that timer going. We're got to get 20 seconds? 15. Okay. 20 is too long. Okay. 10. 20 is too long. We're gonna educated. I'm going to put it to 10. Okay, 10 seconds. Okay. Web? Good. Uh, winter. Where? <laughs> Who? <laughs> oh, what's going on? But really, no. what? No, what? No, no, no. no I have to replay. No, no, no. This has to start. No, I no. See, she's no. Just the camera died. So what is my word? But really, what's going on? I used it in a Window. sentence. Window. Wood. Ten, nine, eight, seven, walking, five. Wall to the windows to the wall. No, don't say that. Wedge, wedge. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, did we lose video? Yeah, we did. Okay, but we're still on audio. Audio. Yeah. Audio. Yeah. Is this what? supposed to be hard when you're stoned? I guess yeah, is the I idea. Think so. Okay, because it's not really that no, hard. No, this is pretty easy. <laughs> we're gonna, I think we're gonna have to stay. Yeah. Okay, your turn. Good. Oh. This is our last turn. Five. And whoever is at the front wins. One, two, three, uh, three, four, five. Take a brown brownie. It actually is pretty hard. Last week was pretty hard. You have the munchies again. Name ways to cook chicken. We had that one already. Next. Well, I didn't. Oh. Yeah, but I sucked at it. So you can read another one. <laughs> That's fine. We're done. High and late for work again. Give at least five excuses for being late. Okay. Okay. Is this with everybody or yourself? Uh, solo. Solo. So you get 20 seconds. Uh, I got stuck in traffic. No. Oh. You, you're out. Okay, you're, bye. Him on his own. Oh, I see. You're, go. Five. Uh, dog ate my homework. Oh, yeah. You uh, get to hear this all the time. Uh, I want the top five reasons you get excuse. Five excuses that... 
students give you? Uh, I didn't have access to the course link. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My internet went down. Yeah, right. Okay, Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to hear this. This is actually great. What are the five reasons? Top five reasons. I don't. They don't even bother anymore. They don't. Huh? Honestly, they just no? don't show up. No, there's they, no. There's no shame anymore. Okay. <laughs> so five reasons. Go. Uh, Dog ate my homework. No web link. Uh, I was I was combing my luscious hair. Okay, combing my hair. <laughs> How was that? This is horrible. Uh, Get, where are you going? Uh, just change the battery. No, we're. You don't need to change the battery. Why are you changing the battery? We have a camera. Do we need two cameras? Yeah. Okay. Well, look at this. All right. We have to wait. Hi, everybody. We're waiting for a camera change. Do, do, do. This is, uh, what's the, um, what time is it? We're good. What time? 4.30. Right now? Yeah. 4.30? 4.30. Uh-oh. No more fun? No more fun. Game oh, over. Game over. Andrew, thank you so much for coming. That was a blast. A I've missed my haircut appointment. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that went forever. Here you go. Oh, my God. Why didn't anybody cut us off? That was awesome. Thank you so much for coming, Andrew. I had an amazing time. Likewise. Uh, you're, you, you're a wonderful guest, honestly. And we had a blast. This game will play another time. Okay. Thank you. Sounds all right, guys. Don't forget to check all that out. It's 4.30. Holy crap. That went forever. <laughs> all right. Bye. We're off.